Welcome to the Canine Cooperative, Cooperative Podcast. I see the plane. The plane, the plane. It's <laughs> a great way to start it. <laughs> the plane. Wanted to make sure it was on airplane mode. Okay. Hello, everybody. It is your two favorite podcast hosts. Yay! I am Sabrina. And I am Jamie. And we are going to talk today about... Something that I want to refer to as out of nowhere. Mm. And that's more of a statement yeah. than an actual thing. Um, but it is something where we have uh, clients or just dog owners, you hear this all the time, like something happens with their dog. It typically is something um, of aggressive nature that comes seemingly out of nowhere. Yes, and that's a comment you hear a lot where uh, most people call a dog trainer when it gets to this point, right? Most people call us up where they assume everything's fine, everything's going along swimmingly with their dog, no matter what age it is, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm doing air quotes. (laughs) Big one. Big air quotes. Out of nowhere, the dog snaps, bites. Uh, reacts, takes off, fill in the blank, yeah. whatever mm-hmm. behavior that people are suddenly shocked and startled by. Yes. So that's why we call this out of nowhere because that's usually the term that most people use when they're describing this incident that's happened. Yeah. And so we are here to kind of break down what's going on because I can tell you that. I don't even know if I want to say rarely. kind of want to say never, but you yeah. never say never in dog training. I know. <laughs> never but I want but. to say that very, 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 very rarely is something ever out of nowhere. nowhere. Yeah. There's always something that leads up to it. There's always body language. There's always warning signs. You also hear that. No warning signs. Uh, there always is. But the thing is, is that the language of dogs is generally silent. The language of humans is generally verbal and loud. Yep. And if you are not looking for the right things, it seems like it might just come from nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is a conversation in one of our previous podcasts I had mentioned. I kind of liken dogs and how they communicate with like they're born with a different language and a different culture. They come from a different understanding. So uh, their culture... A lot of their communication is about ninety percent verbal, ninety percent nonverbal. Excuse me, body language. They communicate silently ninety percent of the time using just their body, and it's only ten percent vocalization. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times the humans don't um, quote unquote hear. Again with my air quotes. <laughs> That's gonna be my thing. Too. We need a television show I know. now. Um, They don't hear their dog talking because it's silent. The humans are just listening or seeing the explosion Mm -hmm. at the end of a very long conversation. So it's usually if you're sitting with someone who speaks a different language than you and they're just talking and talking and talking and talking, but you have no idea what they say because they're speaking Polish and you don't speak Polish, and the next thing you know, they reach across and slap you in the face and you're shocked. (laughs) The, me- the whole time, the person who's speaking Polish is going, if you don't stop sitting on that and touching my favorite thing, I'm going to smack you right. in the face. Please don't touch that. That's my favorite thing. I'm going to smack you in the face. And then all of a sudden, you're shocked that you got smacked in the face, and the person who speaks Polish is like, I told you. I've been telling you this whole time. 
that I'm going to smack you in the face. Right. So that's kind of what happens is that your dog is communicating to you or another dog or to another person that they're uncomfortable, they're upset, they don't like what's happening, they're trying to do a bunch of different things to communicate that, whether that's over a time span of minutes or over a time span of weeks or months. Or even years. Years. It could go on for a long period of time. And then there's always a inciting incident where they just can't take it anymore. And then that's where the out-of-nowhere incident comes to play. So what are some of the things that maybe you've seen in your career where um, these behaviors kind of start with, right? Like, so... What are what's the subject matter that people will call and be like, oh my god, all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. What are kind of some of those incidents? So it's usually social, and what I mean by social is it could be with another dog. My dog was great with other dogs, and then out of nowhere, started snapping, biting, go after, going after other dogs. So that's one incidence where the dog is in a social situation, might have had a couple playdates, might have had a couple of doggy friends, might even live with another dog. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this dog starts snapping, growling, biting at another dog. Another incidence I see it in is with people. Mm -hmm. They used to love people. They used to let people pick them up. used to let people... And a lot of times it's with the little dogs. Yes. But it can be with the big... Big dogs as well. But a lot of times with little dogs. Oh, he lets me pick him up. He used to love people. I took him everywhere with him. All this stuff. And then all of a sudden, he's snapping and biting. It came out of nowhere. All of the sudden, he's doing all these things. So that's the most common places um, I've seen them. Have you seen them in any other areas? Yeah, I, de- definitely the picking up thing. Yeah. Right? With little dogs. I've definitely seen that. Resource guarding oh, yes. is something, too, where people say, oh, my God, all of a sudden, like, We've been fine up until now, like handling things, putting our hands into bowls, whatever. Um, And then all of a sudden, dog snaps. Yeah. Um, And social situations, for sure. Right? Other dogs. And as dogs mature, that's should kind of be, well, I don't want to say expected, but, you know, it's definitely part of that growing hormonal um, situation. But, yeah, so those, those moments where the people are actually in the thick of it, right? It's like the owners are actually in the thick of it. Now this behavior, which is, again, generally aggressive, um, happens. Yep. We want to discuss some of the things that occur prior to that that people are not aware of as far as like, hey, that was a warning sign because... Again, a lot of times what I hear from even other professionals, like we've been actually chatting with other professionals, especially in social situations where they'll reach out to us and say, hey, X, Y, Z happened and there was absolutely no warning. Yeah. And when you break it down, those warning signs are clearly there. They're just very silent. So what are some of those warning signs that... um, that dogs will do that people miss and they really should be watching out for. Yeah. So a lot of these warning signs that we're talking about are, can be very subtle. So this isn't something, and I kind of talk to my clients about like, it's okay to not know what you don't know. Right. Like a, a lot, a lot of people, 
they feel bad or like they're like, I should have, why didn't I see this or why didn't know? And especially when we start explaining this concept to them that there's always a reason why your dog is behaving like this. Mm -hmm. And it's usually because the dog is uncomfortable. It doesn't like what's happening. So dogs communicate through using, I call them calming signals. Um, and there's a great book on this. Um, I think Torrid Rugas. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's on talking terms with dogs, calming signals. If you guys want to reference that or read that book, that that's a great book that talks about these things. And we can actually list those references yeah. in the notes for the show too. So check those out as well. So that's a great resource I send people to to read to read up on and almost get like a crash course in how dogs speak to each other. So leading up to these situations, you can see a lot of different communications with how a dog uses their body to talk to their environment or other dogs or people about what's making them uncomfortable. So a lot of times you'll see subtle things like um, lip licking. Like if a dog is panting, that can be a sign of anxiety if it's not hot and hasn't been exercised. But then all of a sudden somebody goes to reach towards the dog to touch them and the dog closes their mouth, licks their lips, and turns their head away. That's kind of the equivalent uh, to a human going, hey, you're making me uncomfortable. Can you please back up a little bit? I feel like they say that's like talk to the hand. Yeah, like <laughs> talk to the hand, like no. So they like, so those are the things that you'll start to see. You can also see in a social situation, if the dog is being very on the outskirts, always moving outside the perimeter of either the yard or perimeter of the room, they're trying to escape the environment, you know, just avoid the situation altogether. That's one of those tells where the dog's like, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm trying to get as far away from it as possible. Um, another thing that you can see, especially what, like Sabrina was saying, with resource guarding is uh, a lowering of a head and a stillness. So a lot the freeze. The freeze, yeah. So what happens is, I'm, and I'm actually doing these body postures. While <laughs> Again, why them. we need <laughs> so video. So we should have a video of this <laughs> because I am now hovering over the thing. And giving you weird eye contact out of the tops of my eyes. <laughs> but I think I think resource guarding is actually one of those perfect examples because it is so clear. And yes. I think it's one of those times where a lot of people are like, oh my God, out of nowhere. Like my dog bit yeah. me because I was trying to grab a bone. And there's no way. Or move the dog off the or couch. Or move the dog off the couch. Any sort of guarding, you're right. It doesn't need to be a bone. It could be space. The freeze, I feel like that stillness is yeah. where they're like, there was no warning signs. Mm -hmm. But that stillness yes. was the warning signs. And generally in an aggressive um, exchange, mm -hmm. stillness is going to be the last thing you see. Yep. Because the dog is sitting there. It's and, exhausted all other options. Right. And this is why we say these, this progression usually starts not with just one only incident, it kind of builds up over time. So dogs, like, they tend to stress load. So little things can bother them. They're like, that's all right, I can handle it. 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 And then all of a sudden something happens and they're like, I can't handle it anymore. Mm -hmm. So, but they're so tense in their body, they get very, very still. So most of the time these incidences happen 
not when there's movement, but when there's stillness. So the dog is sitting next to its owner on a leash and it's overwhelmed and doesn't want to be touched to anybody and it can't go anywhere. And all of a sudden somebody reaches towards the dog to pet it and the dog's just sitting there tense and still and the dog goes, get away from me. Right. And that comes with a snap. Yep. And you usually hear, right? Or like you go to sit on the couch, but the dog is laying, but they're not laying on their side. They're laying usually with their head over their paws, curled in a tight ball in the corner of the couch with their back to the wall. Mm -hmm. They're guarding that space. And then you come to sit down and you kind of like pat their booty to get them to share the couch a little bit. And they they lunge at you because they're thinking in their head, I have to protect this resource which is space, which is my personal body, which is... Belongings. Belongings. Anything that they think is the highest value of them at a time. And they've said every other communication I've used up until this point hasn't worked. And they're holding on to this tension and this state of mind. And then that's where you see the explosion. So if you start to recognize these things in your dog, what would you have people do? If they're like, oh my God, I think my dog is now leading up to this. We haven't had an incident, but I recognize what they're talking about. Right. And that's a great place to be is where we don't have an incident. Because what starts to happen is when dogs get to the point of that they are actually using aggressive behaviors to push you away Mm -hmm. if they're making contact or not, air snapping, all of that jazz they're going to default to that more and more and more, right? That's going to become hardwired because that's usually what gets people to move away. So oftentimes in these scenarios, you are dealing with an animal and confrontation. Mm. So you have the human or the other dog or whatever the pressure source is. Those are generally the two. But whatever the pressure source is coming in on the dog and the dog having to push that out to stop the uncomfortable situation from happening. So we want to eliminate the confrontation, right? Mm -hmm. So again, I, I feel like resource guarding is like one of those really universal things that a lot of dogs have, and it's pretty clear to see what's going on. And I find that the majority of resource guarding where there might be a genetic component for the most part, it's a learned behavior because humans are constantly or other dogs, but they're putting pressure on the animal in these scenarios that make them feel that they have to go to the point of aggression to get them to go away. So eliminating confrontation, having protocols in place. So instead of with resource guarding again, going and grabbing things from your dog, going and putting your hands in their food, going and messing with them whenever they have stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, having a protocol for when your dog actually gets something that they're not supposed to have, or just even working with them um, when they have something that they, they can have. So they get used to, Hey, drop that item, move away. Yeah. Here you go. You can have it back. All those kinds of things. But the, the general cutoff in any of these scenarios are going to be the point of where the dog is confronted, where they feel like they need to defend themselves. Yeah. So if that's a hand coming in, yeah. if that's um, the space on the couch, you know, yeah. and just, and again, it doesn't need to like you sitting down on the couch next to your dog. Isn't necessarily quote unquote. Right. 
confrontational. Well, right. Because, but to the dog, it seems that yeah. way. Because in their mind, they're guarding this space. Mm-hmm. They're asking, please don't come near me. Correct. And, like, I, I think it's important to, to note for people... Um, because I hear a lot, well, they just wanted to be friends. They just wanted to pet him. I just wanted to give him right. a treat. I just wanted to make sure he was safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just wanted to say hi. They just wanted to play. Whatever it was, it's your dog in that moment isn't concerned about the other being's intention. Your dog in that moment is telling the world that they're uncomfortable mm-hmm. and no one is listening. That's what's important to recognize here. It's not that petting your dog is bad or like wanting to have your niece walk over and give the dog a treat so that their friend is bad or like having the neighbor's dog who wants to come over and say hi is bad. All of those well-intentioned people are still, and dogs are still going to get snapped at because it's not about their intention. In that moment, your dog is not reading their intention. Your dog is saying, I'm uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable in this situation for a long period of time, and nobody's done anything to help me feel comfortable. So now I'm going to have to get serious. Yes, and that's such a good point where the most well-intended moments can bring that out. And I think that's the part that shocks people Mm -hmm. is that they're looking more at oh my God, they just, you know, the neighbor just wanted to say hi, but the dog is emotionally not ready for that interaction. And if that was your child, Mm -hmm. you know, and you did, you actually did a great, oh my God, that was such a great video. (laughs) Jamie did a very funny video about someone doing that to her um, and her child and how awkward that is. But it's very similar. Like if there is... um, a toddler and you know they're they're with their mom and even if you're all friends right yeah. like and aunt sabrina comes over or whatever and the kid's like i'm not comfortable and hides behind mom yeah how often is a human going to like go around your legs yeah to interact with your child right you're respectful of the fact like hey this child needs some space yeah. and is uncomfortable and you pressing that situation or that conversation is not going to make that child feel any better. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with a dog. Because honestly, like a, a toddler and an adult, like you guys also don't share the same language. No. It's it's completely, it's completely based different. on yeah. different things. And so with dogs, it's the same situation. The dog's trying to back up, back up, back up. They're trying to get out of the situation, but the thing keeps going yeah. towards them, the person, the other animal, whatever it is, and then they feel that they need to, again, defend their space, and then that's what it looks like. Yes. Yeah. So, like, looking to, to be able to head this off, because people are like, okay, well, how do I prevent this from happening? Where do we go from mm-hmm. here? Like, once you understand that they're dogs, and that to them, they're not doing anything inappropriate. They're just acting like dogs. They're just doing... And they're explaining to you their discomfort in the only way that they know how, Mm -hmm. which is through the canine language. Yep, which is, I've done this progression of things. I've tried to move away. I've given calming signals. I've turned my body language. My tail might go down. I might lip lick. I might give you a look. I might give you a stillness warning, a freeze warning. And then I get self-protective. And now, now I'm 
I have to resort to the big guns. Exactly. So, like, your dog is going, I've done all these things that make sense to me, and nobody's taken the time to teach me another way to cope with my feelings, so I'm just going to do the logical progression of what is instilled in my brain as a dog. Right. So once you understand that, you can kind of take a little bit of the emotion that you have surrounding the incident out of it. Because listen, when your dog snaps at somebody else or another person's dog, you immediately feel embarrassed. You feel shitty. Yeah. You feel like sad. And you blame your dog. You blame your dog. You're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. That's so embarrassing. That's so terrible. Mm -hmm. How could I, like, I love my dog so much. They're so fabulous 90% of the time. And I... I can't believe he did that. Yes. I can't, it came out of <laughs> it nowhere. It came out of nowhere. He's usually fine. Yep. Yeah. Because you missed all of the asks for space. So now, if you had someone call you up mm-hmm. and say, this is what happens, what would you recommend them to start doing? Well, we want to isolate what the situation is, right? Actually identify what is the cause of the stressor. And again, have a protocol for that situation. We went over before what I would do for resource guarding, but let's say, let's talk about the stranger that comes up because that's a big one too. People come down and try to pet your dog and your dog launches at them. Mm -hmm. So that's when we want to start talking about like advocating for our dogs in those spaces. And I think the most important thing I can mention in this scenario is like when you're out with your dog, it's not like a public petting zoo, right? Like, yes, people are going to come up to you and, and, and ask to pet your dog and all that kind of stuff, but you need to support your dog and advocate for them by stepping in front of them, not allowing that interaction, not putting them in a space where they are at the point where they are so uncomfortable and they have no means of removing themselves from that situation. And that's what happens a lot of time when you have dogs on leash, when we're out in mm-hmm. in public settings. And right there and then, we've trapped the dog. And that's why that stuff happens and is so prevalent when um, and we've, strangers come up. Right, and, and we've trapped the dog because the dog does not have free movement. Correct. So a lot of times people are like, he's not trapped, he's got like six feet. Six feet's not enough for some of them. Yeah, six feet's not enough. They know they don't have the freedom to run away. Mm -hmm. So that's where being aware of what's like your dog's surrounding, a lot of times these things happen like in a family setting when the dog's backed up against something. Right. Your leg, a chair. No, exactly. Yep, they push up against your leg, they push up against a piece of furniture, or maybe they put themselves up against a wall. A corner, a wall, yeah. Because they're trapped. And when you see those things, those, again, those are... Those are benchmark moments where you're like, oh, I need to reassess like my approach yeah, and respect. And I feel, I feel like when you really start to get to see this stuff, I, I'm going to just say like, like an open dog and a closed dog and anything that seems to be kind of rolling up in a ball or like them kind of like covering themselves, covering um, the item that they have, getting lower, getting smaller, backing up into a corner. Those are all moments where it's like, release the pressure, move away from the dog. Like the the dog is not interested in the interaction versus a dog that's very forward and outgoing and, and loose and playful. And those are the types of dogs that want to engage in certain interactions and you can safely do that because yeah. they're giving you that 
that invitation, invitation, essentially. Right. Yes. I, I tell people, I'm like, because people can get all tied up in body language sometimes where, they, where they're talking about, well, his ears were up, but his yeah. tail was down. But his head was up, but his tail was up. But it's like... Yeah, yeah. But he was wagging. It was wagging, but it was like but up high. Was, versus, high <laughs> yeah. But like his head was low, but his tail was wide. Like, so like they can get all caught up in that. Break it down. Turn them turn into physical children. If you saw a four, five, six-year-old kid... Doing that. Looking that way with their body, where they're tense, they're pushed up, they're hiding in the corner, they're, like, sitting really, like, squinched up in a corner and all that kind of stuff, would you think that child was comfortable? Right. And if the answer to that question is no, then we need to do something to change the situation. So Sabrina mentioned releasing pressure. A lot of this, the time we don't see our presence or our approach as pressure because there's nothing in our hand and we're not putting anything on the dog. But the compression of space, the shrinkage mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, around like how you're trapping the dog and their escape route, their free movement is, is getting smaller... Yeah. That, that pressurizes a situation. So think of, like... And there's no escape route. No. And, like, for all you ladies out there, and I guess some of you men as well, like, you've probably experienced this. If you're at a bar and you've got some sleazy person trying to, like, come on to you mm-hmm. and they keep getting closer and closer and closer, they might not be physically touching you, but your feeling of discomfort increases the closer that sleazy person mm-hmm. is getting to you trying to... Touch you in a way you don't want to be touched. Your dog is feeling that pressure just like you'd feel that pressure at the bar from that sleazy person Mm -hmm. who's trying to come on to you. So looking at your dog and seeing how they're feeling, hearing what they're saying with your eyeballs instead of your ears is going to give you a better understanding of, oh my gosh, there's something wrong here. What should I do? So like either like Sabrina said, you can advocate for your dog. Please don't touch him. He's not comfortable. Or you can get your dog out of that situation. Come here, Fido. Like you can call him out with a treat. You can get a leash on, pull them off the couch and remove them from that situation and put them in a location where they can have a minute to kind of be like decompress. Oh, yeah. Thank God, I'm not in that situation anymore. That was awkward. You know what I mean. Yeah. So if you're ever at a bar, ask for an angel shot, and they'll help you out. Oh, like, is, that a, is that a fact? Yes. You go up to the bartender and you say, "Can I have an angel shot, please?" Which means that you don't feel safe, and somebody from the bar will either call the cops or walk you out to your car. Well, there's a little added information right there for everybody. We're helpful on all levels. Look at that. I so, like, give your dog an angel shot. <laughs> I love it. I love Give it. Give your dog an angel shot. Take him out of that situation. Take him out of that situation. And I think the biggest thing that gets everybody in trouble with this particular thing where um, dogs aggress out of nowhere is our expectations of dogs. And they're completely unrealistic. Mm-hmm. The fact that anybody should come up to your dog and be able to touch them. The fact that they should be able to interact with any other dog without any incidents. The fact that you should be putting your hands in your dog's food or ripping oh, bones out of their one. mouths or any of that stuff. Everything that we do to dogs is so confrontational. And if you have that goofy, happy-go-lucky, like, stick them in the fork 
yeah stick them in the eye with, with a fork, fork kind yeah. of dog like yeah, where they yeah, just yeah. they're like thank you sir i have another yeah. um it's not it's not normal like i actually find it abnormal that dogs are so willingly accepting well, of strangers yeah. and strange dogs and sure like share my food I'll, I'll give you my bone i'll i'll play with this toy with you it's yeah. just it's not normal behavior and when you go back and liken it to children how many toddlers are like, sure, I'll share this with you? Yeah. Right? They don't. No. They fight. They cry over the same thing. They can literally have two of the same toys, but they want the other one's toy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it's very, because children, up until a certain age, their emotions are very primal, and that's the same with dogs. Yeah. And so their emotions are just coming out of a place that is cause and effect yeah. i want i want to keep this i want to preserve the space i don't want anyone to touch me and then like, when yeah. they do they have a meltdown yep exactly and so and it dogs are set up to fail in human culture they are over and over and mm-hmm. over again and in in such a way that we bring these beings that are from a different culture and speak a different language and they they process information differently than we are and they have different instincts and they have different needs than we do and then we insert them into our life and our culture with these societal norms and expectations that there's no way for them to organically pick up Mm -hmm. and to your point yeah i think it's really rare to have a dog that just allows these things to happen all over the time i think it's more common to have an a dog who's indifferent and very polite, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I'm not a type of person that's very chatty with people at like checkout lines. Right. That's not me. Like, I or I could talk to a wall. Yes. <laughs> right, and I just kind of stand next to you and just eavesdrop on your conversation. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm per- like, that's not who I am. I'm not being, but I'm not going to punch somebody in the face right. if they start talking to me. But I'll probably just be quietly accepting and make polite remarks and then go on my way. But that's that's actually an important point, too, because, like, if that continues to happen over and over and over and over, yeah. you're stacking this emotion where every time you're in this environment, this is what happens. So if every time you're in this environment and you're made uncomfortable... What's your attitude going to be the next time you're put in that you're environment? You're going to be very grumpy. You're going to be yeah. grumpy. You're already starting off with like yeah. a short So like fuse. I think there's a lot of dogs out there that um, are very, po- they're just accepting. They're polite and tolerant. They don't, they don't really like what's happening to them. They just go, well, I'm not going to be a jerk about it. So go ahead and touch me, you sleazy stranger. <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, like, hope you washed your hands. Right? Like, it's just one of those things where if you actually watch dogs when strangers pet them, there's no engagement on the dog's part. They're just standing there accepting being intimately right. touched by a stranger. Yeah. And just a little, little pro tip right here, the whole putting the hand in the dog's face to sniff. Oh, Lord. I mean, that's already, like... And I know, I know that's a cultural thing. This is not something... This is something we all grew up with. Let your hand, dog sniff your hand. A dog can smell, what is it, like a droplet of cocaine in, like, no, an ocean of water. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They can smell you. You do not need to present your hand to them whatsoever. That's just threatening. Again, it's space. You are invading somebody's personal space without their permission. And, you know, the repercussions of that are... Yeah. You get out-of-nowhere incidences. Mm-hmm. So all of this is just kind of... Um, it's when you get fluent in dog it's all so obvious it's all so obvious 
And then you start to realize, and this is where a lot of people start to feel bad. They're like, oh my God, I like never I realized no, yeah. this. I had no idea. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So now that like you know Now better, that you know more. Yeah. Now that you know more, you can be better at advocating for your dog's space because a lot of times when this is missed, you get these out of nowhere incidences. And it's amazing what happens with you don't even have to do any kind of active training. As soon as you just start recognizing your dog's discomfort and either removing them or removing the thing that makes them uncomfortable, mm-hmm. they start to relax across the board and the incidences vastly decrease. Absolutely. Because the trigger for the reason your dog is acting this way is now going away. They're, your dog is now being heard. Mm-hmm. So their discomfort is being heard and taken care of so they no longer have to take care of it. Right. And trust me, none of them want to. No. Putting yourself in a position where you have to be defensively aggressive puts you in a place where you are, you're potentially harming yourself. Like self-preservation is, is a, is a strong point for everybody, human, dog, any animal. And so when you put yourself in a position where you're like, I got to fight. Yeah. You're putting yourself in a very, very vulnerable position where you, you could get injured and they don't, like the point is, is that they don't want to go to that level. They would much rather diffuse the situation in a passive way where they don't need to escalate to that point of aggression. Yeah. So you're not just helping the dog as far as like, hey, like moving them out and this and that, like to make them more comfortable. You're making them also not feel that they have to take it to that level. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, I think to wrap this all up, the best, the best um, advice that I personally have, and I'm, I'm sure you'll jump on board with this too, is learning body language. Yeah. Learning how to speak dog. Don't wait for... The explosion. Don't wait for the vocalization because trust me. It's too late. It's been, yes, it's too late. And there has been conversations brewing this whole time. Yeah. And I promise you, once you see it, you don't unsee it. Yeah, you can't. There's absolutely it. no way. And the way that we both first start with dogs that come into our programs, I don't talk at all. No. There's no, there's no talking. There's just body language back and forth looking to see what the dog is comfortable with, what it's not comfortable with, where are the where are the areas where like the dog's a little tense, where are the areas where they kind of let loose, all of that stuff. And then you have a general blueprint of, all right, what are these dogs' triggers? Where are we going to possibly get into trouble? Where are the things that are maybe pushing the dog over threshold? And yeah, that is how you are going to not only help out your dog, but also keep other animals, children, guests, yeah. all that stuff safe. Yeah, it's it's an amazing thing when you speak dog. I tell a lot of my clients, I'm not a dog trainer. Mm-hmm. I'm just a translator. Translator. So everybody that calls up and tells me these situations, I go, okay, I've got your side of the story. Now I need to hear the dog Dogs. side of the story. Love it. So when you when we start working with dogs, like Sabrina said, we're silent because we're listening with our eyes. Mm -hmm. We're seeing what the dog has to say, how they carry themselves, how they interact with a new environment, with things around them, what 
makes them uncomfortable, what makes them happy, like all of these different things and how they communicate those feelings through their body. And once we've, we can see that and we start listening to them, we can start teaching and communicating back and then start teaching them how to succeed in the human world and understand the human expectations. So the first basis to any great relationship, whether that's with humans or dogs, is to learn how to listen instead of just speaking over top of. And that's mutual you, respect. Yeah, and that's what we're talking about here is that you your if your dog is your family member and your dog is your baby, you have to understand that that baby, that child they have a point of view and perspective that they think is just as important as yours and you're doing your dog a disservice if you're not listening to what they're saying. Right. So learning how to listen is going to be your first step into making sure that you never have an incident that's out of nowhere again. Exactly. So check out the reference material that we put in the description will link some really great um, books Mm -hmm. that can help you read body language a whole lot better and your relationship with your dog will be a whole lot better for it yeah and then you won't be out of nowhere you'll be somewhere you'll be somewhere out of somewhere you'll be out (laughs) of somewhere all right guys great chatting with you all um till next time we will uh, be talking about more fun stuff. So we hope you enjoyed this and we'll uh, catch you later. Bye. Bye.